Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. Thank you. Thank you so much, worship team. That was beautiful. Amen. And he's been faithful. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's, 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 let's do it for them. Let's clap for them. Amen. Wow. Wow. But even bigger, let's clap for Jesus. Amen. Some of us thought we won't make it into 2023, but we are here. Amen. He's been faithful. Amen. He's been faithful. Siri, I wasn't talking to you. All this tech that's always eavesdropping, and maybe 2024 we'll stop using them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for 2023. We thank you for your goodness towards us. We thank you for how deeply you love us, for how much you care. We thank you that we can gather together again in this new year. And Father, we thank you for your promises, your countless promises and assurance that you will always be with us. We know we can go through this year because you are with us. We thank you that you are our companion who never abandons. And today, as we step into your word, may you speak to us, Holy Spirit. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our hopes and to our fears. Speak to us, Lord. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, a lot of you missed out on 31st night and into 1st January. Those of us who could made it to the beach. <laughs> Our bonfire was very stubborn, but once it lit, it really lit. <laughs> Amen. We had a great time, amen. And one of the things that really stood out was the message for this year, that it's going to be a year of great possibilities. It's going to be a year of miraculous possibilities. And, and when God first gave me that word, I think we're barely in December. We're barely in December. And he said, you know, when people say all things are possible, or when we quote the scripture, with God all things are possible, nothing is impossible with God. Many times we quote that scripture, and what we are actually saying is that difficult things are possible with God. Amen. Because you don't need faith to lift a chair. You, know, you, don't, you don't need to conjure your deepest strength and quote and proclaim that all things are possible before you lift a chair. You know, so when we say with God all things are possible, most of the time we are actually saying difficult things are possible with God. Things that are beyond our strength, beyond our financial capacity, beyond <laughs> our education and our qualification. And God says you can do it, and we have to believe that we can. Amen. So on 31st night, crossing into the new year, we established three things. We established that to really live a life where difficult things become possible with God, everything must begin with prayer first. Prayer is not your last resort. It is your steering wheel. It is not your spare tire. Prayer is not the GPS you, 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 you switch on because you are lost. It is the GPS you activate even before you leave the house. Amen. 
It will save you a lot of time and it will save you a lot of headache. And I shared a story about me going to somewhere I didn't know and I diligently followed the GPS. But when I was leaving, I thought I knew the road, so I neglected it and I got lost. You know, and so it is normally in the familiar, the job we know, where we have experience, where we are qualified, the people we know, somebody we grew up with who now says they want to marry us and we know them, we know their family. In the areas where we are familiar and competent, we tend to take prayer for granted. We tend to neglect prayer. And it is in those places where we often get burned. People we thought we knew so well. No, prayer first at all times, amen. The second thing we established was that you have to listen in prayer. You have to listen. If you grew up like, like I grew up in Africa, in, you know, in, in the Ghanaian church, and you know, when we used to stand on the field and we'd be shouting, and we'd be out shouting each other, and we'd feel very spiritual. We did very little listening. Prayer is not just you talking to God, it's also you listening to him for what to do. Amen. And the third thing we established is that when God gives you a word, obey immediately. <laughs> if you wait for too long, if you have to consult and do research and ask Google and uh, ask your whoever, most of the time you'll come back thinking, ah, this is not the right time for it. Ah, it's going to be too expensive. Ah, I'm not really ready for this. So, divine direction requires immediate obedience. Amen. And this morning, I want to share a word with you on how to set yourself up for miracles. Amen. If truly difficult things are going to be possible and it's going to be a great year, you have to learn to set yourself up for miracles. Amen. You have to learn to take a posture where the impossible truly becomes possible. Amen. There's a story in the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 4. This is a very, very interesting story. Most of us probably are familiar with aspects of it. But if you follow the story through, it's, it's a very powerful story because it's a story about Jesus actually entering his ministry. Amen. For the first 30 years of his life, he had grown up as the son of the carpenter, he himself a carpenter, the son of Joseph. And then John the Baptist, his cousin, starts screaming in the wilderness, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. This is the time. And then he challenges all Israel. And the Bible says, remember that 400 years, it has been totally silent. Israel had never had a prophet in 400 years. The books had been closed. The Old Testament was closed. 400 years of divine silence. Of course, there were you know, little sprinkles of grace and interventions here and there. But a prophet saying, thus saith the Lord, they hadn't heard that in 400 years. So, this man starts screaming, repent! From the wilderness they heard him. And the Bible says, the all of Israel, not some, all came to be baptized. Amen. There was a national revival. And in the midst of this revival, Jesus shows up and he says, this is the Messiah. And he says, I'm not fit to unbuckle his sandals. And Jesus allows himself to be baptized. Jesus gets baptized 
And then he gives the devil a trashing. He gets tempted. And then just when, you know, after the Holy Spirit comes upon him, there's a tangible manifestation of, of the Holy Spirit like a dove upon him. And the voice of God is heard. This is my beloved son. Yeah, he, I don't know why I always imagine the voice of God my son like a bass, you know. Like, this is my beloved son. Yeah, he him. You know, and all that. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness. Forty days he fasted. I knew a man who tried fasting for 40 days, got to 37 and got stuck. He realized if he tries another day, he will die. Jesus lasts 40 days. The devil tempts him. And he overcomes the devil. And with this excitement and energy in verse 14, he returns. He goes, pretty much goes back home. Amen. He's been anointed. The time has come. He was energetic. He was excited. He goes back home. And the Bible says from verse 14, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly throughout the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, this is where he had grown up, the, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. Verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Amen. This is Jesus' manifesto if he was a politician. And what's interesting is that he read this in the synagogue. He read this in the church. Many times when we read this scripture, we think it is for the sinners out there, the unbelievers, the heathen, the Gentiles, the infidels. And Jesus says, no. The miracles I want to perform, the impossible that's going to be possible will start with your transformation. Amen. It will start with your deliverance. Amen. It will start with your healing. Amen. Jesus says, this is why I'm here. So this message was not for the world. This is a message to the church. Amen. And says, there are four people in this church who need me. There is the poor. In Africa, when you say the poor, we think of the financially poor. <laughs> but the Bible tells us that different forms of poverty. There is those who are poor in spirit. And there, there are those who are poor in health and those who are poor in relationship. And says, whatever kind of poor you are, I have good news for you. Amen. We have the poor among us. It says, to the poor, I have good news. It says, to the captives. Do we have captives among us? In Ghana, when prisoners are used for hard labor, they put them in these uh, prison garbs and you can identify them depending on which prison they are in. It's either blue or orange or some color. And recently I saw a group of them cl clean some gutter somewhere. They are captives. But there's a captivity we don't see. The things people struggle with. 
Things that were, were told to them in childhood that they still struggle with as adults. They still can't believe they are beautiful or that they are intelligent or that they are capable because somebody told them they are not worth much. This is captives will be set free. Amen. Since the blind will see. The thing with blindness is that if somebody is physically blind, it's easy. We see them, we offer them a shoulder to hold so we can guide them. We offer them a hand so we can lead them. We offer them a cane so they can walk. But when you're spiritually blind or emotionally blind or intellectually blind, when, when we can't see your blindness. In fact, when you yourself cannot see your own blindness, and that's something Jesus really struggled with. Many times, he would speak to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they thought they could see. They thought they knew. They thought, they truly believed that they were right. Since when you can't see your own blindness, who can help you? But thank God for Jesus, amen. And says, to the church, this year, the blind will see, amen. This year, that's also all men are hashtag, all men are what, whatever, trash. They, they have all these things because of one broken heart. Just one broken heart. All men are all sorts of. You know, sometimes you see the kind of things people see on social media. All women are like, all women? All, like, like, all women? Like, really? <laughs> because of one breakfast that you got saved. See, that the blind will see, amen. That the oppressed will be set free. Now, the word oppressed is really interesting because in Christianity, when you believe in the Lord Jesus and he becomes your Lord and personal savior, at that moment, the Holy Spirit indwells you. Right at that moment. It takes another whole thing for it to become an overflowing experience. But as part of your salvation package, there is an infilling of the Holy Spirit. And it becomes extremely difficult for the devil to possess you. So you would struggle to find demon possession among Christians. But one thing that is common is demonic oppression. A life that is tormented. Anytime they get money, anytime they get money, it's as if you know, something is happening. Instantly they remember they have to spend it and spend it and spend it and spend it and spend it. And, spend it. and if you look at them, you think God has never blessed them. Anytime they see the right kind of woman, you know, they freeze. They're like, freeze is from Wakanda, you know, freeze. <laughs> they, they, they just freeze. All of a sudden, the music can say, Praise the Lord, sister, have you done your quiet time today? Says, The oppressed will be set free. You know, and, and I'm joking, but sometimes oppression is, is cultural. It is, it's a systemic. And, and those are the ones that are even harder to deal with. Because everybody smiles at you, but you can't seem to progress. Amen. One of the things that stands out from scripture is that anytime God will perform a miracle, most, not anytime, but most of the time, there are three elements that show up. There is God, there is you, and then there is the other. Amen. And Jesus is speaking to his people here. We'll, we'll get to that part. He tells them this. The Bible says in verse 20, he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. He said, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. 
Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious word that came from his lips. How can this be? They asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? That was the first problem. They were too familiar with Jesus. Before you start the sermon, they know every scripture you will quote. Before you live the song, they know every word standard to stanza. They grew up in church. There's nothing new. Isn't this Joseph's son? Then he said, this is what Jesus told them. You will undoubtedly quote me this proverb. Physician, heal yourself. Meaning, do miracles here in your hometown like those you did in Capernaum. But I tell you the truth. No prophet is accepted in his own hometown. Verse 25. Jesus decided now to offend them. He says, certainly there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time. When the heavens were closed for three and a half years. And a severe famine devastated the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. And many in Israel had leprosy in the time of the prophet Elisha. But the only one that was healed was Naaman, a Syrian. Verse 28, when they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. Jumping up there, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff, but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. They knew him. They knew his father. They knew his mother. They knew his siblings. And they were willing to kill him. <laughs> because he told them that just as in the days of Elijah, the grace of God passed you by and blessed this widow and just like in the days of Elisha, the grace of God passed you by and blessed the Syrian called Naaman the same way today. Because you've disregarded God's word and because you've trivialized his truth, you will stay oppressed. You will stay blind. You will stay poor. And that offended them. But what is interesting is the two references he makes. One is in 1 Kings chapter 17 and the other one 2 Kings chapter 5. In 1 Kings chapter 17 is the story of this widow. The prophet Elijah shows up and he says, can you give me some water to drink? And the Bible says immediately she went to try and get him water and then on her way he says, no, no, no. Bring me some bread also. And she says, I don't have bread. All I have is a little flour and a little oil. And I'm going to make some bread for me and my son. And after this, after this meal, we will die because we have nothing. There is famine. The famine, interestingly, had been triggered by the same prophet Elijah. And this able-bodied man, his head bald as mine, probably balder because he walked in the sun a lot. Was telling this feeble old woman, probably not that old, those days they really used to marry young, that get me something to eat. You know, and it feels insensitive. Able-bodied man, you can work, you won't work. You are here calling yourself a prophet of God. I should get you something to eat. And after she told him her story, she st he still insisted, yes, get me something to eat. But you see, that was the secret to her blessing. He said the oil, 
the jar of oil will never run out and the jar of flour will never run out. Amen. She obeyed immediately and true to God's word, the jar of oil never ran out and the jar of flour never ran out until the rains came again. So at least after another three and a half years. Amen. And then the second story, 2 Kings chapter 5, is Naaman the Syrian. The first time he heard God's voice, it was a slave girl in his house who told his wife, there's a prophet in Samaria who can heal you. Slave girl. Have you ever met those who look at you up and down and then decide whether they, they should talk to you or listen to you? If you are one of those, you miss the voice of God sometimes because sometimes the voice of God is a slave girl. Sometimes the voice of God is, you know, a riffraff. And when the prophet told him to go and just wash in the Jordan seven times, dip in the Jordan seven times, he was offended. And a servant, a servant said, Master, if God had told you to, to do something harder, wouldn't you have done it? If the prophet had told you to do something harder, you came with gold and silver and all these gifts to give him. If I'd asked you to do something harder, wouldn't you have done it? He says, do something simple. Why is the harder easier for you to do than the simple? And the, and, and the Syrian commander Naaman obeyed. Amen. Two things the widow and this man have in common. They were both Gentiles. They were both unbelievers. They were both not born again. They both didn't have a church. They hadn't given their lives to Christ in today's parlance. The second thing, they both obeyed the word of God immediately. Amen. This is where it begins. To not lose your sensitivity, no matter how familiar you are with church, or no matter how familiar you are with God's word, to believe as though this is the first time you are ever hearing God's word. And saying, Father, help me. I'm doing it because of you. I'm trying because of you. Amen. Amen. The second point, and because we are church, I'll quickly try and make this point, is that we have to invest in other people's miracles. Amen. The other two stories, I don't think I have time to read them, but I'll quick, quickly reference them. You can write the references and go and cross-check. There's a story in John chapter 5, verse 1 to 9 of a pool in Bethsaida and this man who had been lying there by the pool for about 38 years. And what's interesting about that story is that they used to have this thing where an angel would come and stir the waters and whoever jumped in first got healed. You know? Signs of grace. And Jesus gets there and this man is lying down there. And the Bible says Jesus could tell that he's been lying there for a very long time. And Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? And the man says, I've been lying here for all this while. Anytime the angel stirs the water, I have no man to help me. And then in Luke chapter 5, verse 17 to 26, we find another man with a similar predicament. He's also crippled. He's also paralyzed. But in this other story, <laughs> Jesus doesn't go to the man. Other men, four men, carry this man on his mat and bring him to Jesus. When they get to Jesus' house, 
there was a crowd and he couldn't they could they couldn't go in so they decided to go through his roof they get there and realize the roof is quite thick they break through his roof jesus sees them and says wow i'm impressed by your faith and he tells the man your sins are forgiven and the people were worried the, 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 the Pharisees are like, who is this man to claim to forgive sins? And Jesus said, well, which is easier? To say his sins are forgiven or to tell him to rise up and walk. So he told the man to rise up, take up his mat and walk. What is interesting? Two men, same predicament. One, it takes him 38 years until Jesus shows up because he had no man. The other man had friends. Amen. Same predicament. And the truth is that when you have no friends, when you don't invest in relationships, sometimes the grace of God is available to all of us, don't get me wrong, but sometimes it's harder. It's harder. This man would have had to wait in his bedroom until the day Jesus probably will pass behind his house. And that probably might have been never. Because at that time, Jesus was restrained in his body, in the flesh. So there was a limit to where he could go. Amen. He could only show up at one place at a time. But his friends carried him to Jesus. Amen. At this point in your life, you've entered a new year. If you were to find yourself paralyzed, do you have friends who can come to your house? In fact, do you have friends who will notice they haven't seen you in a while? And do you have friends who will be so comfortable, they won't just come to your house, they will enter your bedroom? Okay? You, you are so close, they can enter your bedroom, carry you on a mat, and take you to Jesus. Do you have friends who are willing to destroy somebody's property? Because they know they would have to pay back, wouldn't they? If you go and destroy somebody's roof, you must be willing to fix it. Do you have friends who are willing to incur personal costs in the pursuit of your healing? In fact, do you have friends who have faith enough to believe that you can be healed? <laughs> the, the, this man in the, in, the, in the Luke chapter 5 story wasn't healed because of his faith. <laughs> he was healed because of the faith of his friends. Amen. Do you have friends who have faith enough to bear you up in prayer? Even when you strongly believe the marriage is over, they'll go down on their knees sacrifice their gobe and jollof and fast on your behalf until a miracle happens. This is how to set yourself up for miracles. Invest in other people. Amen. That is how friendship is always formed. You have to invest in other people. Invest time. Today you enter a room, there are 10 people, 20 people, and everybody is on their phone. Everybody is on their phone. Nobody is talking to nobody. So Apple has designed a system where if you fall down, Siri can call. Because if you fall down, nobody might notice. Everybody is on their phone. That is not right. Amen. Are you ready for miracles? Amen. Are you ready for a year of supernatural miracles? Are you ready for a year where the impossible becomes possible? 
Amen. You have to remember that in this story we just read, or this account I just gave, there are three people. There is always God, always present in every story. He doesn't change. His posture doesn't change. His position doesn't change. In fact, his name is I am, that I am. That I am, that I am, that I am, that I am. That I am. He doesn't change for nobody. And then there is others. And they are not perfect either. They will damage other people's property. <laughs> they will push through the crowd. And then there is you. Of these three people, the only one you can change is you. Amen. And if you are like me, if your personality type is like mine, you have to intentionally pursue friendship. You have to be deliberate about it. Because many times what God wants to do, he would want to do through you, in you, and he likes to use other people also. Amen. The church is as much about Jesus as it is about the family that we are. Amen. We are his bride. There is no groom without a bride, is there? Like nobody shows up at the altar alone. I'm like, the groom, what are you? I'm here to marry myself. Like, it doesn't happen. And we are his bride. Amen. So I want to challenge you. This year, don't just invest in, you know, like when you hear it's a year of supernatural possibilities or a year of great possibilities. Don't just think about yourself and your needs. Amen. Think about other people's miracles and possibilities also. Amen. And ask yourself, how can I help them achieve their miracle? Amen. This man in Luke chapter seven, sorry, Luke chapter five, had friends who were invested in his miracle. Amen. What is also interesting, and this is a caveat for those of us who others will approach and befriend. When Jesus healed the man, he told the man, "Get up, pick up your mat, and go home." Amen. The man, other people carried him on his mat, but now he carried his own mat. Amen. When people help you, you know, rise up and help yourself also. You know, some relationships just are just transactions. There are some people who are only your friends because anytime they are broke, they give you a call and you send them money. That's not friendship. You know, this man didn't demand that his friends carry him back on his mat to his house. No, now he was healed. When he was crippled, when he was paralyzed, yes. You know. You know. So, we have to pursue healthy friendships this year. Amen. First and foremost, we have to be sensitive to his word. Prayer first. Always prayer first. Always prayer first. And listen in prayer. Listen, when you are praying and you keep quiet, you won't die. Listen. Read the scriptures. Meditate. Let God speak to you. Amen. And obey immediately. And whilst you are positioning yourself, look out for other people. There's a ministry called the intercessory ministry. Amen. Where we pray for other people. A lot of the miracles you see in scripture actually happens, at least if you look at the early church, you know, it was they healing other people. Hardly ever was it personal. God would use them to heal other people. Amen. Amen. And to everybody who is struggling with some form of addiction, with some form of struggle, whatever it is, 
as we close our eyes, I want you to look to Jesus. Amen. He's the one who heals. Hallelujah. He's the one who truly sets free. I don't know what has been frustrating you or holding you back. I don't know what your challenge is, but he does. And this is a great day to talk to him. Say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, help me. I know you can heal my broken heart. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. I know that you can help me. You can set me free from this captivity. I'm in a relationship that is not godly, but I'm struggling to break out of it. Jesus, help me. I'm struggling in this captivity. Jesus, help me. I want to, but I'm poor. I want to stop smoking, but I'm, I, my, my, I don't have enough strength of will. I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough courage to say, no, Jesus, help me. I am poor. Help me. Help me. If there's a prayer Jesus always answers, it is the prayer, Lord, help me. This morning, may you ask him to help you. Oh, Father, we thank you. We ask you to help us, Lord. Help us. Help us, Lord. Help us as we step into 2023. Let the biggest miracle be our transformation. Until we look like you, Lord. Until we are totally free from the shackles of sin. Until there is no limitation upon us that you didn't place on us. Every boundary set for us by men and by systems and by cultures, we pull down in the name of Jesus. This year we rise to your calling. This year we shine. This year we take dominion and we overcome. This year we are victorious. This year we learn to love again. We learn to trust again. We learn to believe again. We thank you for a year of healings and of breakthroughs and of many wonderful experiences because we are starting with you. We thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you for how deeply you love us. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.